Okay, we're live. Pancreation Philosophy, episode 57. I'm your host, Pocholo Cruz. Thank you for joining me. As you hear the theme song happening, it's provided by my good friend, Floating Forest. Shout out to him. Thanks for providing these lo-fi beats. Yep. And I'm joined today by my guest. What up? J-Tan, matchmaker for the U of, U of MMA and... Um, all around, uh, as I like to say, the, the somebody that nobody knows. <laughs> somebody that nobody knows. That, that's a pretty good tag. <laughs> so, well, J-Tan, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this. Yeah, so, man. how did you... Yeah, so how did you become a matchmaker? Yeah. It's funny. So, I've got a really weird background uh, with with MMA. Okay. Um, I, I definitely fell into it, but it was kind of... Um, well, I got into it in, in about uh, 2005, 2006, okay. more or less. Um, I was working as an assistant uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. I was in the business. And um, I've always been a, especially a, a pro wrestling fan. Okay. Um, down there, that was around the time that Randy Couture was going to retire for his first time. Yeah. He was UFC champ, or uh, I mean, formerly he had already... Uh, held the title. I think, yeah, because I, I remember he won the heavyweight championship again, I want to say 2006, like against Tim yeah, six or yeah. seven. When he yeah. Came, yeah, 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 against uh, well, the, yeah, the but Tim Yeah, Sylvia. he had retired and he came back. But he was, yeah, I think he was a light heavyweight champ, maybe like, what, 2005 right, or 2005? Right. Yeah. He won it from uh, Tito or yeah, Chuck? He, yeah, no, he beat, I think, I think he beat Chuck first and then he beat Tito for the title. If I remember yeah, correctly. yeah. Yeah, but it was that triumvirate of those yeah. guys. Anyway, at the time, he was looking to transition out of MMA and into acting. Okay. And his manager at the time brought him into uh, the office, uh, the company where I was working. Okay. And I knew who he was. And, uh, you know, I hadn't... I, I had dabbled a little bit in pro wrestling at that point, but, you know, MMA was something that I... I hadn't really didn't really know about. It. I'd watched some UFCs. Okay. Uh, but I met Randy and especially his manager Jeremy okay. Lappin, whom okay. uh, I ended up working with and you know have a long time working relationship over the next ten years after that. Okay. Um, in different variations, and that's what's really weird about my background. Um, you know, I met <laughs> these guys. Yeah. And um, I knew right off the bat. Okay, this is where I want to go because the sport was still budding. Oh yeah, yeah. At, it was in Vegas time. pretty yeah. regularly, yeah. but it was it wasn't nearly what it is now. Yeah, for you that, know. especially at that time. Like, what did you say again? Two thousand five. By that yeah, point, it was oh four, maybe. Four, yeah, let's yeah, say oh four. So yeah. ultimate fighter, yeah, didn't no kick ultimate in. fighter. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we didn't see the rush. So yeah. anyway, I knew that um, getting in on the ground floor of MMA, like this, was great timing, and it was going to be something special. Yeah. Um, so over the next couple of years, you know, um, I transitioned out of working in Hollywood and working with uh, Jeremy, mm -hmm. specifically to learn how to manage fighters. Okay. He was going to handle their fight contracts, and I was going to learn how to be basically a fight manager, and I was going to be that transition for these guys to go into film and TV. Ah, I and see. And at that point... Kind of like a segue kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. I, I was going to be, you know, it was a perfect kind of a junior yeah. manager position where yeah. I could still, um, I still had my ins with uh, casting directors and you know, management and uh, producers, things like that. Uh -huh. So, you know, at that point we had, uh, Jeremy was repping Rampage, Randy, 
Boss Rutan. Pretty much the biggest names I've ever yeah, yeah. at the time. You know, Ken yeah. Shamrock for a yeah. brief moment right after that. Yeah. Um, but then before I knew it, like a year later, as things happen in, in Los Angeles, things will turn on a dime, right? Yes. Um, before I knew it, we were hired. He was hired to uh, resuscitate the WFA. Okay. Which was a small organization. Yeah, the World Fighting Alliance. Exactly, yeah. World yeah. Fighting Alliance. Yeah. Uh, they had done some shows, you know, several years before in L.A. or uh, in Vegas, rather. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be a big uh, comeback for them. They had some, quote unquote, new money, you know, with it. And uh, um, so we were going to run a show, which we did. It was called uh, WFA King of the Streets. Mm-hmm. Um, was it July? I want to say July nineteenth, I believe. Okay. And uh, or maybe the twenty second. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Two thousand six. And this was a time that everybody was coming out of the woodwork to compete against the UFC. Yeah. There was the IFL. There yes. was the WFA, and there was a time still uh, in the in the fight world where you could basically be a public person, talk a little shit, especially against uh, Dana and the Fertitas. Yeah. You know, and MMA media would take seriously, you yes. know, whether you actually could pull it off or not. Or not, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was a pretty impressive fight card. Mayhem Miller was involved. We were working with him, and, you know, that was the time that his yeah. star was still rising. He had barely even really been... Um, he wasn't the guy yeah, that he was. Exactly. You know? that, yeah, that was pre-Bully Beatdown. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Jeremy was yeah. a big part of Bully Beatdown coming to Oh, he life. was. Okay. So here's what happens. We do yeah. our one show, WFA. Yeah. Um, King I mean, of the there, there, there are some big names. I'm looking at the fight car right now, but yeah. as you said, Rampage Jackson. Yep. Boss Rudin. Boss Yoda Machida. Yep. Yeah. That was the Oda's first fight in North yeah. America. Uh, Rico Rodriguez, former UFC yep. heavyweight Matt champion. Matt Lindland, who was an yeah. OG, you know, yeah. by that point. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it was a I'm fun. Salbury, Seattle. Person. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, unfortunately, though, that didn't last long. <laughs> okay. We were sold by December. In wow. Fact, the same so, day. So it happened July and got sold December. Yeah, yeah. Days. We were planning our yeah. second show. Yeah. And um, it's funny, like we had signed, like leading up to the second show. Uh, we had signed Gina Carano. Oh, wow. This was before Elite XC existed, yeah. right? Yeah. Right before that. Yeah, so yeah, 2006. Yep. So, or, yeah. We signed Gina. Uh, we signed Uriah Faber. Oh, damn. I got to book my first or kind of propose my very first match ever, yeah. which was Carlos Condit versus uh, uh, Jose Pele Landijan. Oh, damn. That was going to be... Did, did, did that ever happen? No, it never happened. Oh, damn, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it can't happen if the fight... Yeah, you got sold. So that was, you know... Some I, pretty big names there. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun at that point, you yeah. know, but it was a struggle. And so, um, as, you know, we got sold to the UFC as soon... Uh, or on the same day that the uh, WEC announcement... Yeah. Uh, happened. It was like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, in one one day. Yeah. So that day kind of sucked in December. Jeremy ends up at Elite XC, okay. you know, which probably did a press conference a couple weeks later. Um, about a half a year later or so, I ended up there. But um, between then, right after Elite XC, I worked for, I uh, met, um, looked up with my buddy Turiel Tavilla, who was at Pride. He'd been there for about five years or something like that. Okay. So I ended up working at Pride okay. in 2007, 2007 for yeah. like right the yeah. very end. Yeah, for the two U.S. cards that they had? The one U.S. card and yeah. the final Japan card. Oh, there was a final Japan card. Okay. Yeah, there was one in uh, April and that was, I think, the second match of Sokuju 
Um, who's the final Japan? The main event? Oh, oh, didn't didn't that didn't Shogun fight Overeem again? Butterbean was there. Um, oh, I'm not sure about Shogun and Overeem. Or, or or am I confusing that with the U.S. card? Let's see. I think that I want to say that was Pride 33. Was that the last one? No, that Pride 34 33 was the last yeah, one. I think. Yeah. So 33 was the one in Las Vegas. 34. Let's see. That was in Saitama, and there was yeah, some Saitama weird... Super Arena. Yeah, um, let's see. It was... Hellbay, Hellboy Yokim Hansen was on yeah. there. Um, oh, Shinya Yoki. Yep, Shinya Yoki was Ricardo there. Ricardo. Oh, that's what. Yeah, Sokuju beat Ricardo Rona. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was the second one, yeah. and, and everyone thought Sokuju was the second coming. Exactly because you know? Sokuju before that had beaten uh, Little Dog, Minotoro Mino mm-hmm. Nogera. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know. Then a few months later, then Pride got sold to the UFC. Oh damn! Yeah. And I'm looking at myself like, dude, what's wrong with me? What am I? This? <laughs> Just I, cursed? Yeah, I, I joke. Yeah, I said, yeah. Oh, am I the stinky kid of MMA? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's some stench following me here. Yeah. Thankfully, other people uh, ended up with that one more than me. But um, you know, from there, I went to Elite XC, okay. and um, all, all of this time, I was basically support. Um, you know, part of the fight team, but learning, you know. Handling, um, uh, what is it? You know, medicals and things. Okay. A lot of office work stuff. Okay. Um, so that was, you know, what I did for Pride in at Elite XC. I was there for you know most of a year as well. Um, I mean, they came and went because they spent big money and yeah. you know they hit just and, like it's, it's a flash common, in the pan it's, stuff. It's a common thread amongst most promotions at that like time. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that was the problem. You know, yeah. at that point, man, you had. Bodog yes. fight. Bodog fight. fight. I remember that. Yeah. WC I mean, was one of the I, only I, ones that survived. Yeah. That no. Sure. Fights. Like I remember, Bodog had like Eddie Alvarez and yep. Matt Lindland fought Fedor on Bodog. If I remember correctly. Uh, Affliction. Uh, was that was that Affliction? No, I want to say that was Bodog. Maybe I, you're right. Because yeah, Fedor yeah, yeah. fought. That was in Russia. Yeah, because Fedor fought Arlovsky and Sylvia in yeah. Affliction. And so this era, that. you know, yeah. there's like yeah. fly by night, come and go promotions with big money, yeah. but no brains at the top. Yeah. And, you know, here's me just trying to survive going from Lilypad to Lilypad, knowing that there's something really exciting happening with this industry and this sport right now. Yeah. And even though it sucks and I feel like, you know, I joked, man, I really missed the stability of Hollywood. Which <laughs> <You know? laughs> was stable compared to what? Compared to MMA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're working with. Um, but, uh, you know, at Elite XC, I learned, uh, learned a lot in, in terms of international business. Okay. They already had enough people in the fight team, so they put me dealing with all of the um, different promotions that they had bought internationally. Oh, okay. By that point, so this is a company that just had money and they were based in L.A., yeah. but they bought Cage Rage in the U.K. Okay. They bought King of the Cage. Um, they had a working agreement with Spirit MC out of Korea. Korea. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and then both of the, the big names out of uh, Hawaii, Icon Sport, which previously was Super Brawl. Yeah. And then Rumble on the Rock. Rumble on the Rock. Yeah, the okay. Penn family's uh, yeah. thing. So here's me as the liaison <laughs> to all these guys. Wow. You know, okay. and um, even though I certainly don't really have that much of a, uh, of a fight background, you know, at that point, hadn't really trained. I think I was, I was training out of a gym, you know, okay. but uh, never had any aspirations to fight. Like that window had closed. Okay. But here I am learning all of about all these different companies, you yeah. know, and how do how they operate. How does one operate versus yeah. the other? And different cultures as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, different fight cultures yeah. and 
national, you know, yeah. um, ethnically or yeah. nationally. I mean, even Hawaii really is like mm-hmm. so, so different than. From Here's the sad thing: I yeah. never got to Hawaii. Oh, really? By oh. the time, yeah, like again, Elite XC or at the time their, yeah. their parent company was known as Pro Elite. Yeah, that it didn't take long for that one to fizzle as well. Oh. Yeah. You know, when the, the Ken Shamrock and uh, Kimbo and Seth Petrozelli fiasco happened. Yes. Um, and, and they closed up shop as well. Yeah. So from there, I'm floundering a little bit, you know, and still struggling to stay in the sport, mm-hmm. you know. Um, started to do some writing for, for websites and things. Worked a lot freelancing for King of the Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shouts to... To Terry Troublecock and Mike Lowe and, and those guys. Those guys, you know, gave me reason and, and purpose to stay involved with the sport. Okay. And um, and then from there at one point, like during all of this, Turi Altavilla, you know, my partner. Yeah. He's kind of going through the same thing, you know, but he's more established of a name. Um, finally, he at one point, I think in 2009 or 2010, he looks at me. By this point... Jeremy Lappin, my old boss, had led the way for amateur MMA to become legal in California. Yeah. And he was the head of the regulating body. Okay. Again, like I said, I would work with him in various different capacities. Yes. He hired Turi and I to be inspectors. Okay. And to basically, uh, you know, be lead inspectors to run amateur shows in L.A. Okay. Or, you know, throughout, wherever. To yeah, regulate. throughout California. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm learning the regulation side of things huh. that certainly a lot of fighters and coaches and everybody don't know except from the, them going through the experience of actually fighting, you know. Here's another angle of, of the whole business of the sport that I'm learning. And Tori and I did that for about a year. And he said, you know what? I want to get back to putting on matches. Let's do our own thing. Okay. And that led the way to really my biggest... Um, I don't know about biggest claim to fame, or certainly the thing I'm proudest about, okay. which was the University of MMA, which ran for about seven years, I'll say, uh, in LA. Yeah, and you know, with that by that point, a lot of the big pro promotions, the dust had kind of settled with all the competition. You know, the UFC was clearly number one. They had bought out mm-hmm. Pride, WEC. There really wasn't, you know, Bellator was the yeah. next thing in North America. I mean, Strike Force happened, but then that got exactly. swept into the UFC as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So for Turi and I, amateur became our focus. Okay. And it was great because that was something that we could author ourselves. We mm-hmm. could write the tone, the pace, the way that things were to be done. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, you know, it wasn't about the big flashy names and everything that the previous generation of fight promoters had uh, had gone for uh, in order to compete with the UFC. Mm-hmm. We were just the show that definitely was, you know, a very upscale, classy show. We yeah. ran a venue in, um, we started in Hollywood, but yeah. after two shows we moved to uh, downtown L.A. at uh, uh, at the time it was called Club Nokia. It's now yeah. the Novo. It's now the Novo. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I've been there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you were cornering for a lot yeah. of our guys. I yeah. don't think at that point you weren't no, you I, weren't taking any fights. I was, I was yeah, I wasn't competing. I think I yeah, I wasn't competing at the time. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but that that was one of the things when you moved up here, and I was like, oh wait, I never got that guy to fight for me <laughs> down there. You know, the timing never worked out. Yeah. Yeah. But we yeah, it's a 2000 seat theater. Yes. And there are a lot of big big musical acts that went through there, you know. Yeah. Um indie bands, hip hop bands. I think Henry Rollins played there at one point. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, and they were owned by AEG. We're across the street from Staples Center. So we've got this great prestige going on, you no, know? No, for sure. It was way different than any other amateur events I had gone to, which are mainly yeah. in, like, you know, gymnasiums. Gymnasiums <laughs> you know? or hotel ballrooms, yeah. you know, and, and nothing wrong with that. But it, um, like I said, there was that class and prestige and level of professionalism yeah. that we were really proud about because we could, you know, we set the stage proverbially and literally for... <laughs> Uh, amateur guys that were just dabbling in sport didn't even know if they wanted to pursue this or not. You know, yeah. I hate to say no name guys, but young, yeah. aspiring, unsure fighters. Yeah, we could give them this really clean stage for them to say, "Wow, this is what it might be like." You know. Yeah. And man, we had such a great rep in in LA. We became known as one of the top promotions in California, and I'm very proud of that. Um, so that's. You know, in that regard, like I've always been involved, or for a decade plus, yeah, I was involved in in MMA, but I don't know that I would ever necessarily call myself a martial artist. Mm. I was debating about that, you know, recently. I know that's a question that you talk about with uh, with a lot of other guests. Yeah, I don't know that I qualify for that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, because yeah. uh, to me, a martial artist, you know, there's many different ways I'm sure to interpret that, mm. but it takes discipline. You have to train in some kind of hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, my discipline right now in my life is out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Next to zero. It's on the yeah. left side of zero. Yeah. You know, and um, I have trained in, in different disciplines at different times. Um, but... Um, You're more martial arts adjacent at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. You know, yeah. there's certain things about about it that I think probably, you know, I kind of fit in the right category in terms of, um, you know, using this physical strain and, and training to better yourself, mm-hmm. your mental and, and spiritual and emotional side. I get that, and I think I've probably gotten that uh, that aspect when I did train in certain disciplines, um, but, you know, I, I go a few rounds on the heavy bag at the gym right now. Like, that's the extent of it. Yeah. Um, started to dabble a little bit back in uh, in jiu-jitsu okay but um yeah i'm not active actively uh an active practitioner Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't want to (laughs) disparage everybody (laughs) else that actually does by saying that i'm in that group but you're right martial arts adjacent yeah you know for sure uh on hiatus (laughs) yeah so is there any um any plans on like getting back into like into the mma yeah yeah um i i'm trying to since I moved, I, I left uh, the U, um, or you know, we, we stopped doing shows in at the end of 2016. Yes, uh, yeah. Turi and I are still, uh, you know, really close, but we're not involved in it nearly as much. He still uh, has some some aspects. Myself, you know, the reason for leaving all of that world was moving up here. Yeah, and um, you know, for for personal reasons, and um, yeah, I. I still love the sport. I still watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't found that right balance yet to fit it into my life. You know, yeah. um, obviously, you know, really close with, uh, um, well, really close. <laughs> Aside from never seeing everybody, you know, <laughs> a lot of the yeah. team, like AMC yeah. And, yeah. and Matt Hume and everybody, like, um, how do I say? Again, it's unfair for me to say that that's family for me because I haven't been in the mix in such a long time. Mm. But um, obviously, I've got a lot of friends there. Um, I haven't been able to fit it into 
my non-fight life. And uh, that, that's the part that, you know, is a work in progress. But yeah, I think I, I've come to realize, you know, I, I did four years of, of wrestling in high school. And okay. As much as I sucked, it yeah. I, I think it absolutely saved my life. You know, I was uh, um, I, I was a pretty angry and, and somewhat depressed kid. Uh-huh. And but that gave me something to focus all of that energy like an outlet into for exactly. That. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that grappling yeah, I, I want grappling to be part of my life. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, it's yeah. it's been a struggle yeah. to find the hours and the classes and schedule that, that can work for me, you know, yeah. but not giving up on it either, you know. For, sh- for sure. But, yeah, no, it's interesting, though, how that's, as you said, like, there's that, like, emo- like people, when they're filled with emotion... They feel better once you know they do like a physical activity, yeah. Like from there, but as you know, as you know, you you've you know crossed paths with like a lot of people that are you know in this fight game, and yeah. as you've seen, there's like it's an interest, it's a interesting sort of individual that gets involved in this for sure. So, mm-hmm. like, what are some like notable like I guess fighters or like people in the business that have made an impact on you that that made an impact on me? Impact or like just like gave like impressions on you. So, Randy Couture off the bat, I still remember the the time that I met him. Yeah. Um, He's definitely at the top of the list. Okay. Um, I met him. I knew who he was. Uh, He and his, you know, Jeremy Lappin had walked into the office. And and Jeremy still busts my balls about this one. (laughs) I remember shaking his hand, and I thought I was so cool. I really was. Because I knew who he was, but nobody else in the office really did. Yeah. Um, he was meeting with the director client of one of our managers okay. you know, for possible film and TV roles. And I shake Randy's hand and, you know, right off the bat, because he is a legitimate fighter, he's far above and beyond any pro wrestler that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And I look him in the eye and I say, this is the closest thing I've ever come to to meeting God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he cracks up Jeremy yeah. cracks up it's a good icebreaker yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeremy continued to bust my balls and remind me about that like for years on yeah. end and whenever the, the funny thing is whenever he would tell that story in front of people to embarrass me yeah. most of the people would go yeah that's about right <laughs> you know so um, you know Randy um, Matt absolutely uh, taught me how to be a matchmaker like most of the tenants, he gave me the opportunity to... I don't know how this... I don't remember yeah. how it happened. Yeah, how, how did you meet Matt? Was it through Pride? It was oh, through Pride, through yeah. Pride. yeah Turi and Pride. Matt were very close, and okay. Turi would come up once in a while um, when things were, were quiet to uh, to come visit and watch Matt's amateur shows, the yeah. Genesis Genesis, yeah. 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 So, you know, he invited me to come along. I was like, hell yeah. Tagged along and ended up we would end up, you know, helping and working the shows. Yeah. And uh, at one point, and I want to say this is probably 2007 or 8, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 7 or 8. Um, there's an opportunity. This is For me, this is post-Elite XC, and I think the same for Turi as well. There's an opportunity to run a show in Everett. Oh, yes. A show. I, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it, you know, Turi had the... Terry Treblecock was deputizing Turi to run it okay. and Turi said you know I need hands you know boom so I'm uh, he and I were like Batman and Robin at that point you yeah. know and during all the uh, the, the processing and, and you know building the shell of course Turi you know 
recruited Matt, and it would. I remember setting up the cage for that show. Did you? Were yeah. you part of the cage yeah, show? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was uh, essentially kind of a co-promote with uh, Genesis Fights, or, yeah. or you know, Matt's uh, Matt as an entity up here, right? Yep. And uh, in fact, it was the pro debut of DJ. Yep, DJ Karos. Karos, that's and, right. And Tim Bosch also fought on that card for Rumble. Tim Bosch, I think, was the main yeah. event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, he had just got let go of the UFC, and they were going to build him up to get yeah. back in there. Yeah. And so um, I ended up just because Turi was handling all of the operational stuff. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing a lot of the matchmaking okay. with Matt, you know, and Matt gave us, uh, you know, names of coaches and gyms. I would gather the info and, you know, put it in a spreadsheet and, and did all the work and, you know, uh, Matt gave his input and I, that's how I learned the process of how to do it. Because at that point, you know, I didn't grow up as a boxing fan. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. stuff about how much stuff you need to know about a fighter. What do you need to compare mm-hmm. to make a good match and not, and not a good match? I knew what a good match looked like, mm-hmm. but I didn't know the ingredients to lead up to, to, to make that happen, you know? Um, so that, you know, uh, I, I am, we got through that one. I impressed Matt apparently enough that he invited me to start booking uh, some of his Genesis fights. Ah. And, you know, that, um, uh, I, I call him Sweet Tony, Tony Saab. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> you know, he was uh, running those shows at, at that point. You yeah. Know? Um, Good old Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was a great, yeah. the whole experience was a blessing because, one, I got to work much more closely and directly with Matt. Um, I, that's how I became associated, for the most part, with AMC mm-hmm. and, and its fighters. And I learned this great and unique skill that unfortunately you can't apply it directly to most corporations hey yeah. you want to fight you want to fight good let's do it all right let's do it Here we go. <laughs> i think it would be really good for morale quite frankly oh, but i know for sure i haven't been able to convince anybody Build that, that camaraderie yeah yeah but it is a really interesting the skills of it are yeah. things like um scouting talent mm-hmm. and uh, yeah talent acquisition talent i don't know matching it's it's a recruiter type job right yeah um you know, so that I was able to take that and hone my skills and get confident at it. If I could make Matt Hume happy, then <laughs> nobody else has any right to criticize, right? No, for sure. That's that. That's a high. That's a high, high standard. Exactly. But. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you know, I applied that to the U of MMA. Okay. Um, and during that time, I was semi managing uh, the amateur team in uh, down in LA for a gym called Legends MMA. Okay. Which. When it opened, Randy and Boss were involved with that. Um, they ended up going, uh, opening up their own private gyms, and uh, Chris Riley was the head. He owned it. Um, he led Rampage to the UFC title yeah. uh, with uh, Juanito, and um, you know he had this group of uh, of amateur guys. Alan Joban was among oh, yeah. them. Alan jo- yeah. Yep. Um, trying to think who else. There were several guys that went pro. Uh, in the regional area, Chris Brady, uh, Eddie uh, Eddie Jackson, you know. Yeah, okay. um, but again, you know, this was my chance to to dabble and learn. And if I made mistakes, they weren't didn't cost too much, you know. But I got to apply all of this stuff to being a matchmaker with the U of MMA, and in that regard, being able to talk with managers, gain their trust, and be able to follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, not promise anything I couldn't deliver, you know, just for the sake of getting the book on the show. Um, and 
I think that's a big part of why we were so popular with a lot of the fight gyms. Yeah. It was a good-looking show, and they knew that our word was bond, you know? Um, so, I don't even know how we got off on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I started talking about... The fighters. Yeah, about the fighters. About fighters but yeah. yeah, but another thing that's so interesting, like, being really on the ground floor for, like, a bunch of, you know, like, amateur fighters, because, like, like, like you mm-hmm. said, it's... It's a bun. They 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 do have like no. They have they've really done nothing. And but then to see, like what what they do afterwards is, yeah. is fairly interesting. Oh, I hang my head on that yeah. very proudly. Um, uh, the guy that's leading the way right now, at least in terms of record, is Dominic Reyes. Oh yeah, Dominic Reyes for yep. sure. Yeah, uh, he yeah. went undefeated with us. Uh, he fought. I think if he fought, he fought all his amateur fights except for one, if I remember correctly. Through the U of MMA. Wow. Okay. And he was very particular. I talked yes. with him uh, when he first started out. He didn't have a... Well, he had coaches. His brothers were his coaches. His brother? Okay. But he was booking his own fights. Really? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he said, you know, I'm really serious. I've been looking at your you know, your, your promotion. I don't want to fight for some, you know, yeah. some... I hate to say the word rinky-dink, you know, but I don't want to fight out of some garage. I don't want to fight, you know. Yeah. And they said, yeah, sure, all right, let's let's see. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to book him fights because the guy was tall. He had this, you know, no. crazy background, you know. Yeah. And I guess, like, say some of his background in case people don't know who Dominic Reyes uh, He was, yeah. um, I think, so, sorry, he played uh, football at uh, SUNY Stony Brook yeah. in uh, New York. It's their state university system. Um, I'm not sure if they were D1 level. They, I think they might have been. And, you know, I don't know anything about really about football, so I forgot what yeah. position yeah. he played. Yeah. Um, but he was good. That's yeah. what I know. And he had come back to California where he was originally from. And his brothers, uh, one, at least one of his brothers was a fighter. And he decided to kind of, in that regard, uh, go in the, the family business yeah. of fighting. The, fi- the fighting business. Yeah. yeah, so he had this background of college football, and I yeah. was like, oh, I don't know that that necessarily translates or not. Yeah. Um, but he wanted to fight. I liked 205ers, and I needed somebody there. And so, you know, I booked him, and he just had these stellar performances. I oh, yeah. don't think that of all of his amateur fights, I'm not. I think only one went out of the first round. Sounds he right. went the distance with yeah. a guy named Bruno Casillas from uh, Valencia, who also fought for us uh, a very long time. Santa Barbara, I take that back. But uh, Bruno recently has uh, gone pro as well. Um, Dom, of course, is top 10, maybe top 5 ranked in the UFC right now. Yeah. Still undefeated, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, you know, but and, and I always do, but the, the guy... Um, you know, there's very few fighters I've seen who have as much self-control... Of their own career and their training, uh, as a guy like Dom, he is one of the most conscious guys uh, in terms of his uh, approaching how he trains and what he does, and and also being in the cage. You know, um, the guy doesn't get he doesn't show getting flustered. Very rarely has he gotten had the opportunity that he has to get flustered. He's having tougher matches now. Yeah, but he seems to maintain his his cool. For sure. He's, um, he's always seemed very poised. Exactly. Yeah, yeah he's very, very poised. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys. Who else? Um, you know, Tommy Aaron uh, has fought for uh, Bellator and uh, LFA. Uh, yes. Ryan Lilly is uh, is rising up the ranks, you know, same time. These guys are kind of, you know, still a little bit on the local scene, but also LFA, Bellator. Um, uh, who else am I thinking of? Um, Darian Chapman is, is fighting internationally. He was a U of MMA champ. 
um, at lightweight. Uh, boy, there's a couple others that uh, escape my head, and I apologize to them for it. Um, strangely enough, we've got guys also, we had quite a few now pro wrestlers. Oh, really? That went through, yeah. Scorpio uh, Sky fought for us twice. I did not know And that now either. he's in what's absolutely, you know, one of the hottest promotions right now that, you know, just starting, AEW. <laughs> um, yeah. He's having a great time now back in pro wrestling. Um, Daria Baronado, who is, you know, a friend. And when I was doing my uh, um, YouTube UFC after show on the AfterBuzz Network down there, she was a co-host with myself and uh, my boy uh, George Hermosa. Mm. She is now Sonya Deville in the WWE. Oh, wow. Marina Shafir, she's in NXT. She fought for us once. <laughs> and so it's really strange. I, yeah. I think as I count it, we've had more... Uh, I think I have more U of MMA alumni in the WWE than I have in the UFC right now. <laughs> I don't know what that says exactly. Funny how that turns out, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But a, a, lot of, a lot of fighters have, have come through our ranks and... Uh, gone on to to the pro ranks and they're doing great things and yeah I absolutely hang my hat on on their accomplishments I'm proud to have gotten to work with them that whole time you know mm-hmm. um, so really set the stage really for yeah I like to think that we we contributed yeah. I mean of course yeah. you know we get to work with them only you know if we're lucky two or three times throughout the year yeah you know based on our shows uh, so it's it's the coaches. And the managers and all their friends and family that are yeah. in the day in and day out, you know, yeah. um, they have more claim than I ever would. Yeah. But yeah. I got to give them that that stage like to a platform to practice that like thing. That. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So how, yeah, um, more so on that. So how was like developing relationships with, um, you know, with, yeah, with coaches and gyms? Like, so mm-hmm. how 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 does that go about? Like, really, it's. It's like it's networking like anything else. Okay. You uh, sometimes, you know, as you know, the fight world and the fighters have all kinds of eclectic personalities. Yeah. A lot of them, everybody, I think humans in general have chips on their shoulder in one way or the other. And the people in the fight world have it in ways um, that are very particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes you really got to get to know them to figure out how they tick and uh, it's just that much more um, raw in the fight world because what they're doing is practicing and training people to punch each other in the head and inflict damage and stuff yeah you know it's much more passive aggressive when it comes to a corporate environment right yeah you know it's not passive aggressive it's aggressive aggressive yeah exactly the fight world is aggressive aggressive and yeah corporate is the other way Um, but you, at least as far as I go, um, I think you put your best foot forward. I definitely, I never had the confidence that I could pull the wool over somebody's eyes. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't an element of me, you know, in my reputation that I ever wanted to, to develop, mm-hmm. right? If I can deliver something to you, then I'll tell you what I can mm-hmm. um, or what I think I can, you know, and, and I will temper it. I, I'll be as honest and upfront like that. That's the key for me. Is, is honesty and uh, and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that you're honest with somebody, the more they can know and remember, okay, this is what I should expect. And if something turns out better, like a better opponent that you can provide or uh, better experience going from weigh-ins to backstage and everything like that, then 
you earn their trust. Mm -hmm. That's what this, especially the fight world and everywhere else, yeah. reputation is everything. Yeah. Can I trust this guy? Yeah. Okay. Then, you know, I'll, I'll do work with him all day long. Um, but if not, if you're shaky and your word is not necessarily reliable, then you're going to have a tough time. Um, and that's that's a facet of life. Yeah. But is this is how it specifically applies to the fight world. Mm -hmm. um, so, Turi, uh, thankfully, Turi is very much the same way. You know, um, uh, we believe very much in integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think somebody like Matt must have seen that because otherwise he wouldn't mess with us at all. Oh, no. You know? Yes. <laughs> Matt's very selective about who he works with. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you have that kind of trust, I, I think it, it recycles back that yeah. you, um, if you're smart, uh, what, what's worth, you value that trust even more so. So you take it as seriously as possible. Mm. Um, don't overextend yourself if it's um, if, if you don't think that you can deliver. Yeah. Um, but also have that confidence that your uh, your reputation is is the thing, you know, and you're gonna do everything you can to deliver what you promise. Okay. Uh, yeah. How about, so take us through, I guess, like creating like a fight card from like from beginning to end. So yeah. Like about like so about how far does the I mean, because a lot of people don't have never really thought about this, but like. How like how far is the planning stage out? Mm -hmm. like, typically, like let's say you have a date for a show. We yeah. would when we were our busiest, we were doing four shows, uh, four shows a year. Okay. And it was just Turi and myself. Oh wow! Now so, we had a yeah, um, we had a good stage. Well, there there was usually a, a third party um, that would handle more uh, day of logistics. Yeah. But they were kept in the loop. Uh, shouts to our guy uh, um, Dave Hendrick, that uh, was a super help. When we first started up, um, this is an aside, but you know, big up to uh, Becca Borowski, now Becca Borowski Jenkins. She had trained at, uh, she kind of like me, she had done film in LA, mm -hmm. uh, trained a little bit and was associated with Team Quest up in Portland. And she was our, uh, our, our third leg of the U when we first started out, the first several shows. Um, and she knew the game. You know, she had traveled with Dan Henderson uh, for one of his fights, I forget which one it was. Um, uh, oh, uh, Rulon Gardner. No, ah, no, no. okay. She was involved in the documentary yeah. of Rulon when he went to fight in Pride. Oh, okay. And so Rulon you know, Gardner, former uh, Olympic gold medalist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He only got to beat Alexander Karelin. You know, um, just that guy. <laughs> right, just that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. Rulon was training with Dan, and henceforth that connection. But anyway, so she had been involved with the fight world and the film world. And uh, she helped us as well. But sort of for a fight card, um, let's say if you're lucky if you got two months out, you know. Okay. The more time you have, then the more chance you have to make it a good card. Yeah. Two months is on, on the amateur circuit is, is pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good amount of time. Um, I wouldn't want to do something in a, in a month's time. That's yeah. crunch time, that right? Would be, yeah. Um, Turi would handle the logistics. You know, we would usually have our dates and we had our venue because they loved us. That was the other great thing is, yeah. you know, we had a great reputation with the venue. We were invited back and they opened their doors widely because they knew we were an organized, clean show. Yeah. They had no drama or anything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that, again, just made everybody that was involved and at the fights feel good about the whole experience. Yeah. So 
I would I had my roster of gyms, and you know some of them were regulars. I knew that they were going to have guys. They would oftentimes ask me, "When are your, when's your next show?" Yeah. Here's the show. Uh, here's the date, and they'd say, "Okay, I'll organize my team and see who wants to fight. Who's going to peak around that time and and not?" Yeah. And I might have some names in, in mind, but. A lot of times that changed. Mm. There were other teams that I'd reach out to, chase after, never heard back from them. Mm. And I could never tell if sometimes it was that they wanted to focus on shows with other fighters or other promoters that were closer to their area. Because traveling is a pain in the back. The farther you travel, the fewer friends and family are going to come see you. Yeah. Right? That's just a reality of the world. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways it did limit who we could work with. But I'd still reach out. You know, you say yeah. the door is still open. Whenever it works for you, come experience the U of MMA. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'd get that, you know, from... Now, we're based in L.A. You know, we, some, we'll get guys from Orange County. Okay. The guys in Santa Barbara, for example, uh, Mike McDonald and Valhalla uh, Elite Training Center, they loved coming down to L.A. because mm-hmm. there wasn't really a scene up there. Okay. But they had guys that wanted to fight. So they were willing to make that hour-and-a-half trek. Yeah. Um, and again, I would... I'd have a spreadsheet where I would go weight class by weight class and just list the names um, and, and all kinds of details, fight record, height, stance. The more details you have, the better. Mm-hmm. And I would typically start somewhere between, like in terms of pairing up and p- proposing matches, um, start with size and experience level. More so experience level than size mm-hmm. because that way both teams are going to feel like this promote this matchmaker is booking us against somebody that is equal to my guy. Yeah. I want to protect my guy, but I want to give him a fair shake. Yeah. And for the most part, that's what gyms and managers and fighters, coaches, they're all looking for. They just want a fair shake. Mm-hmm. So if you can provide that and provide as much detail to prove this is why I believe this is a fair shake, mm-hmm. a lot of the times they'll both say yes. You got two teams that say yes, boom. Got you send them a bout agreement right yeah. away. You get, yeah. Put your John Hancock on that, yeah. and I got you locked. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of trial and error. You know, you send out... Um, I, I would send out sometimes if it's a, a fighter that really, really wanted on. I know he was committed to fighting on the show. Uh, I'd send his coach two or three options. Okay. And uh, say, here's the guys that I have in mind. Who do you think is the best fight? Now, I would send... Uh, that same list to the other fighter, you know, and just swap out one of the names there. Yeah. And uh, and to give them both options. Now, fighter A might say, I like fighter C. And fighter B might say, I like fighter A. But fighter A doesn't want to fight yeah. fighter B. Yeah. Um, and who knows what fighter C wants. <laughs> yeah, can I add another thing? Yeah. So you have this yeah. conversation with the coaches and say, well... B isn't too keen on A, mm-hmm. you know, and you negotiate and you discuss why this is, um, and and that's what it is, it's negotiation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they will change their mind, and if they change their mind, then great, you know, you got that, and uh, you you do that until you've got somewhere between twelve to fifteen fights. Uh, one time we got I think as many as was it 16, 17, 18? Oh wow! In that the, during the yeah. at least for. Uh, uh, camo and, and the California amateur scene, you were limited to, I believe, 14 fights. Okay. Nowadays, though, um, I believe there is a rule where if you pay a little bit extra for, you know, 
per match to cover the regulation, they'll let you do extra matches. Okay. Because, of course, as you know, in, in especially in the amateur circuits, hell, in the pro circuits, yeah. matches fall out at the last Matches second. fall, yeah. You know, and the, the closer you are to a fight, the closer you are to a show, the harder it is to find a replacement. Yes. So you want to be able to book enough that the fans themselves uh, get enough of a show. Yeah. And the coaches as well. Nobody really thinks about this, but the coaches, um, that they uh, their time is valuable as well. If a coach has two fighters on the card uh, and one drops out, then now the coach can sometimes be a little bit more hesitant about having his that second guy yeah. or girl fight because that's only one person, you know? Um they have to give up their whole day to do this thing. Yeah. You know, and they do it out of loyalty to the fighter. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces that you have to appease, and you just want as many uh, uh, rounds in the chamber, you know, or coals in the fire as, as you can. Um, so I, ideally, I, I loved it. If I could have a fight card built in a month or three weeks, I was ecstatic. Because now I'm just ready for the dropouts. Yeah, you know, just and getting ready for like, exactly. the collateral damage that happens. From yeah, me. yeah, and at that point it's whack a mole, and I'm just you know yeah. uh, I, I'm ready yeah. to jump on that. I don't have the pressure of building up the fight card. Yeah, you know, to the point that I feel satisfied with it. Now it's just uh, uh, triage. You know? Yeah, um, but sometimes there were there were times that I didn't have a full fight card until two weeks or one week before, um, and. You just do what you can. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. That that was my approach. Yeah, uh, typically. So that that's like fight card creation from a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any um, any particular like you of MMA cards that stick out in memory, like in terms of like, just what happened? <laughs> yeah. I um, I think if I remember correctly, I want to say uh, I think Fight Night fourteen. Okay. Sticks in my head. I think we did so altogether. We did roughly about twenty-five shows. The first several of them were not numbered, but when we went to um, Club Nokia, we did start numbering them. And Fight Night fourteen. There was one show that we had three different title matches on, and I was okay. really scared. Like that was a lot to to put together, but that was one of the ones that I think came off the best. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think Ozzy Diaz might have been on there. Our guy, shouts to Ozzy. Yeah. From, uh, was it NZT Pancration? Yeah, NZT right? Pancration at the time. Big yeah. up Frank Culture and uh, yeah. Jairo Espinosa. Um, I think that he was on that one. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see, I'm looking it up right now. I'm pretty I'm sure Dominic Reyes was. Uh, Darian Chapman was. Uh, I want to say Pius... And then Lobo was on. He was another great star. Shouts to Pius. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's uh, fighting uh, MMA anymore, but he was a guy that... Oh, yeah. Did, did you ever get to see him? Oh, yeah, no, I did see Pius. I think, um, what's mm-hmm. his name? Danny Garcia from NZT fought him. Right, okay, yeah, yeah that was his first fight. Yeah, yeah Pius... Pius was like the polite Conor McGregor, if you will. <laughs> now, Pius, I would yeah. consider as a martial artist. Okay. Absolutely. Like, that guy gets it mentally and spiritually as well as, as physically. Yeah. I mean, he's an incredible 
uh, you know, specimen of an athlete. Yes. Um, and at that time, he was, I think he still probably is, uh, teaching, uh, teaching martial arts at a school in, um, in the Valley. Yeah. Um, flying Kick Martial Arts, I think they were called. I forgot what part of the city. But uh, he was teaching kids. He, uh, I believe he was teaching kids, you know, his full-time job was teaching kids with special needs. Um, but he loved to be a character. He was absolutely a showman. His, you know, his, his post-fight interviews were as infamous with our fans as his fights were. Yeah, you know, and uh, and he was a beast in the cage. Oh yeah, but the quintessential uh, gentleman, sportsman. Um, he he had the the spirit of, of martial arts. He really got that. Um, but uh, yeah, I believe I'm ninety nine percent sure he was on there. Uh, have you found that card? Do you That's, know? Yeah, no, I, I have it, but the, the camera well, website doesn't label them uh, as you know with the title of the card. But uh, I know it was. Three title matches, and they all stuck together. Also, Shohei Yamamoto. I think it was Shohei Yamamoto versus uh, Roman Todorovic, if I remember correctly. Uh, shouts to both of those guys. Um, and that was for the uh, welterweight title. Uh, Shohei is a uh, um, prodigy of uh, Josh Barnett. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, Josh brought uh, several good guys uh, and girls, I think, uh, to us. And uh, Roman was out of a, a gym called Elite Training Center down in Redondo Beach. Okay. And uh, teammates with Tommy Aaron. Uh, so yeah, that one. You know, those are some of the guys, the guys and girls that you know come to mind. That I think that fight card was probably one of my my favorites. But we had a lot of. Uh, there were a lot of great cards. Like I, I'm, I'm proud of just about everyone. I, I, I never felt like we had a shitty card. You know. That's good. The fights yeah. were exciting. Yeah. The fighters and the coaches felt like it was a good experience. That means that it's that much easier for them to sell tickets to their friends and family. Because at the amateur level, that is what you're relying on. Yeah. You know? These are not recognizable names, so therefore the average casual fan isn't going to be invested in it, in, in watching that show, unless they actually just want to watch fights. Yeah. You know, and, and we provided good ones, so... Um, yeah, there there are more names that uh, that kind of I, I could rattle off that it just kind of you know in, in my heart. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So I guess looking like what. So what what advice would you give if you if you were if you had to like train somebody like in matchmaking like from trade the, somebody? Yeah. Oh, train somebody. Yeah, train somebody. Yeah. To, to trade, I would yeah. say maybe Ben Askren for Demetrius Johnson. That sounds like a good one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a win. I, th- I, th- I think that worked out. It did, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I tr- train them for matchmaking? Yeah. Boy, or like what like what attributes do you think? I, the best, integrity part. Them. Yeah. Uh, integrity, a uh, bit of intelligence cuz you got to be able to smell bullshit too. Mm. You, um, you know, for, for better or for worse. A lot of coaches, you know, they're, um, you know, I have this level of confidence now in being able to book fights, but I didn't necessarily have it this whole time. And so, um, you know, it, maybe I fell for the okey-doke in certain times with coaches that would say, well, this guy can't fight, you know, something's yeah. going on, mm-hmm. when it was some other reason they didn't want him to fight. Or... Um, uh, whatever, whatever else uh, circumstance, um, you, 
I, I have a confidence that I can smell bullshit pretty decently, and I can prepare for whether that's true, you know, you just accept what you're being told and move on, or if it's not. So you come up with a contingency plan. Mm. Um, so you, you have to have those smarts, and you have to put your best foot forward, uh, because even those coaches that are willing to cut a corner, maybe tell you a little fib to get what they want, um, if you can deliver, once again, you earn their trust where the next time they're that much less likely to fib to you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it is a networking and developing good working relationships. Um, you, my style of, you know, of hyping things, at least with uh, having these conversations, is, mm-hmm. is not to oversell, not to get too excited that this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good learning and growing and fun experience for your fighter and for you and that's what I can deliver everything else after that is gravy you know Um, unless I can deliver a three fight contract with the UFC and then that's what they want you know Um, but that's not something I've ever been able to control so I'm not going to try and sell you that bill of goods yeah sell something that you can't deliver yeah yeah yeah. you don't want to underhype your product you want to Believe, be able to believe in it. Yeah. Um, but it's you like also a fine balance. For exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a fine balance. You know, and that's honestly, it's it's kind of part of why I've been hesitant to uh, to explore working in the fight world. Mm-hmm. Number one, I wanted to challenge myself. I needed to challenge myself to life in a non-fight world. Okay. Can I do it? Can I transition out? Yeah. You know, I pigeonholed myself into this skill that is very niche yes. as it as it applies on my resume. But, like I said earlier, there are a lot of skills that are applicable. Yeah. Um, it's just that it's hard to convince, you know, yeah. a lot of people sometimes. Yeah, especially if they haven't been involved in it, like understanding, yeah. like, what what exactly you do. Mm-hmm. Like from there. I think that's one of the main things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I needed to see if I could do that. Mm. And also, quite frankly... You know, I couldn't have asked for a better partner, really, uh, in, in Terry Altavilla. Mm. We've been working together in different at different companies in different ways since '07. You know, that's that's a ten year run with the guy. You know, um, working as regulators, working um, on behalf of other promoters. You know, and then running our our own show. Um, it's hard to step away from that. Anything else is going to be a step down. You know, mm. so yeah. I've I've been reticent about trying to put those same eggs in the basket of some other fight promoter. Yeah, um, and th- and that's why for the most part, you know, I, I haven't been uh, haven't jumped back into the game. Yeah, um, it's I got to kind of digest this great ten or eleven, twelve year run. Yeah, and then figure out what is the next chapter, um, but. I think I'm. I, I think I absolutely have the fight bug. You know, I I want it to be in my life. If nothing else, I'm gonna follow it. I want to know the sport, how things change, talk to fighters, uh, and and know what what's the new generation going through. What are their what's their perspective on things? Mm, okay. um, and and by the same token, you know, I think is uh, I'm I'm older, so just the practice of martial arts, something like grappling. Yeah. I have no... Right now, I have no impetus whatsoever to 
to go to Gracie Worlds, you know, <laughs> or to win win yeah. a medal. Yeah. That that window likely has closed for me. But at the same time, I know that the martial arts. One of the things it teaches you is that you're never too old to learn. No. You are constant. You're you're a student throughout your life, and I take that to heart as well. I, I'm trying to remember that and and trying to apply it as best I can, as best as it fits into my uh, my life. So. That's a sidetrack from obviously training the matchmaker, but <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, no, no. But I think it it just shows, yeah, that that transition of under what well, one understanding like what skills you would need, you know, for for the job set, but then also mm-hmm. building into like that. I think one important thing to be a matchmaker, and as it shows, like from you, is that you have to also you know enjoy like you know, or at least enjoy like martial arts like mm-hmm. from there from there because yeah. it'd be hard if you. I mean, it'd be hard if you didn't know martial art or if you didn't, like, at least have an understanding of it to actually yeah. make those matchups, like, from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing about MMA, and I think it's a perennial argument that people, nobody's had the final answer to. Uh, is MMA martial arts or is it prize fighting? Is it, yeah. It's a bit of both. Yeah. Like, you can be, you. I think you definitely can be a... Uh, you know, if you're fighting MMA for the money and for the career, obviously you're a prize fighter. Yeah. Um, you can be a martial artist and do MMA because um, you're going for the challenge of how far can I take this? How um, can I can, can I surmount the next obstacle, which is the opponent in front of me? Mm. And the more that you fight, then the more the you know the higher the competition goes. Um, but a lot of guys are in it for the money. Yeah, um, and and nothing wrong with that either. It's, it's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we do pay people uh, for fighting, at least at the pro level, you know. Um, so it's it, it's a it's a balance, um, and both of those things coincide. You know, it's but man, it's that's the one of the toughest things in the world. Just uh, all things being equal, yourself. As a human being, no tools, you know, no physical tools. It's hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. That's one of the scariest things possible for a human to go through. Yeah. And the question becomes, what do you want to get out of it? Um, and everyone's answer is, uh, is different and customized to, to their, own, their own desires. So, um, But yeah, got to love the fight world. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, it's a different one, but um, okay. I think that I think covered a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, covered cover a lot of it. Any uh, any last words or anything you'd like to say before we? Um, no, you know I've uh, shouts to everybody that I've talked about here. Like I said, I hang my hat very proudly on the U of MMA and the fighters that went through there, the coaches that I get to work with. Um, big up Mark Girton and. Club Nokia and now the Novo. The Novo. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Novo sounds like I don't know. It's the name. It's a, yeah. it's a Microsoft tablet, I believe. Oh, it is. Okay. It's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. Microsoft okay. has the naming rights yeah. to that and the nearby Microsoft uh, Theater. I think it's called oh, Microsoft okay. Theater. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I'm on social media all over the place at uh, JTAN seven one six J A Y T A N seven one six, and yeah, it's. Who knows what the next step, uh, <laughs> the next chapter will uh, will say. 
Okay. Still, yeah, still writing that chapter, but, you know, uh, yeah. as we all are. But, yeah, well, thanks for your time, Jay, and thank you, listeners. Um, yeah. Uh, let's, Absolutely. Yeah, let's just consider, consider that again. All right. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm.